0: My name's Tony Greenham and I run the Financial Reform Programme at the New Economics Foundation, Uh, or at least that's my day job, and I'm also a trustee of Transition Network.
1: What are the the characteristics of a housing bubble? When
0: a bubble is a bubble, uh, as opposed to um, a genuine change in prices because of supply and demand, it really has to do with the availability of credit. so it's a phenomenon of the banking system as much as anything else, because after all, um, if we take uh, Russian oligarchs out of the equation, most people buy a house with a loan, with a mortgage, not with cash, and they can't bid on that house unless the mortgage company has decided that they will lend them the money. And in the past, when we, uh, well and indeed now, um, whenever you see rapid increases in prices, uh, What's really at the root of that is um, an increase in the availability of credit from banks. Uh, of course, the problem with that is that sooner or later, um, bubbles end in, in, um, in a crash. We know that from history. And uh, it's very destabilizing. And you might get winners and losers um, on the way up. There seems to be everybody's a winner because everybody's making money out of their house. Um, and the people who haven't managed to buy a house yet uh, obviously are left behind but then of course when there's a crash um, the people who <laughs> you might get lots of people who end up in negative equity uh, and uh, are damaged by having a debt that's worth more than their house so uh, it, it's it's just not a great thing to have uh, these bubbles and busts in, in the housing market After where to live a home is one of the sort of fundamental human needs that the economy wants to be satisfying
1: So, we had the the, the housing bubble in 2008 that burst. Uh, At the moment, we're seeing a massive expansion of house building, great sort of uh, uh, increasing availability of credit in order to make that possible. How does what's happening now resemble or differ from what we saw in 2008, do you think?
0: The difference, there was an increase in house building uh, that took place and up to 2008 as well, um, it seems that the level of, the general price level that, that house builders require to earn the sorts of profits that they're seeking um, is, is now pretty high relative to incomes. So in other words, the only way that the government seems to be willing to stimulate house building is to get prices high enough so that private house builders can make enough money by building more houses and selling them. Now, of course, there are lots of alternatives to that, not least public funding of the building of council houses. But for seemingly ideological reasons, that, that's been ruled out. So we're reliant on almost the only way to get more houses built is to create a housing boom <laughs> uh, to ensure that prices rise fast enough for Property speculators and house builders to, to make lots of money. Now, that was true, I think, both in the right to 2008 um, and now. Um, there are a couple of differences. Uh, the two differences, I suppose, are that um, the, the planning regulations have been loosened uh, in the current era, so it's a bit unpredictable as to how that pan out, I think. And, and the second difference is that whereas before uh, the financial crisis, banks were willing to lend willy-nilly almost to anybody by the end, they're, not, they're, 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 they're much more constrained both by rules and their own uh, more prudent approach about mortgage lending. It's much more difficult to get a mortgage. Of course, we have instead got the government itself pumping the sector up with subsidising mortgages for first-time buyers. So the government's more directly involved in pumping up the house price boom this time As a deliberate strategy both to get re-elected one might say cynically
1: but to prompt this new
0: wave of house building um but the other difference is that you know compared to previously there seems to be less constraints on where that house building is going to happen
1: can the nation afford to buy all of these houses that are that are supposed to be built
0: well you have to distinguish between land and buildings uh pretty crucially i think the houses and the thing that's really fluctuating in value of course is the land not not the bricks and mortar uh, so, can we afford to construct buildings to live in? Um, yes, of course we can. I mean, that that's just a question of allocating resources to the things that are important. And, you know, one of the wealthiest nations in the world, the idea that we can't afford to house all of our people in, you know, a decent level of comfort it, it is really, if you step back and consider it, it's a ludic- ludicrous idea that, that we can't afford to. So if, if that's not happening, it's because the market structures and the economy are set up wrong. But the more tricky sort of bit, you know, is land. Can we afford the land element of these prices? Well, when land values sort of rise and fall, that's not creating new wealth. That's, that's just distributing it from one person to another. It's from the people buying the land to the, the people owning the land. So this is an entirely different question about social justice and inequality. Um, and it's really not sustainable to have an ever you know, wealthier class of people benefiting from, from such a system an ever increasing um, bunch of people in debt and, and missing out on that increasing value transferred from
1: them. And we seem to have these the, the, the figures that are given by government that then all the local councils have to accommodate X hundreds, thousands of buildings what are those those numbers based on? Are they, are, are they realistic or do you think they're somewhat overinflated?
0: Well, they rely on a lot of assumptions um, because the question of what the demand for the houses is isn't straightforward because it's a combination of how many people are there. And as, as we know, um, we've been quite bad, bad at counting that recently <laughs> um, due to not really knowing who's coming and going. So it's uh, not necessarily easy to predict uh, how many people there are, but the other variable is, is the average size of the household. So in other words, you know, if social trends mean that more people are living apart or in smaller families and so on, then uh, you know, that will increase the number of, sort of dwellings that you need um, even from the same number of people. So there are quite a lot of factors that mean that people have to make estimates and whenever people are making estimates and judgments, you know, it is just a guess at the end of the day. So, I mean, of course, it's never presented like that in planning and you know, <laughs> the way that governments um, said about these things, it'll be it'll be presented as a sort of concrete reality that therefore we must build this many houses in this place because that's how many we need, you know, it, it'll rely on, on guesses really. Uh, but I think it's probably fair to say that due to the very low rate of house building over the last 10 to 20 years, um, we have got too few houses, or at least the houses
1: aren't in the places where people want to live in them. Mm. And um, what are the characteristics of the, of what we actually need to build, do you think? Because certainly around here, most of the houses that are, uh, most of the developments start out saying they'll, Uh, they'll build 50-60% affordable housing and then as the process goes on they haggle it down to what seems to be the standard now is 17.5% and all the rest are full market houses what are the characteristics do you think of what we actually need to build? How could house building be a boost for local economies without creating a sort of a housing bubble? Well um, I I think I'd have to I'd have to say that
0: we'd have to change the whole approach, really, to building new houses. Uh, I, I, the idea there's a couple of things. The phrase you just mentioned, affordable houses—I uh, just always find that a really difficult one because it implies that the ones that aren't affordable houses must be unaffordable houses. Um, how can you be in the business of an economic system that builds unaffordable houses? Um, the whole thing does point to a certain uh, uh, deep dysfunction within the housing market. And the second point that I always take issue with is the idea that it's a market at all. I mean, people think of markets. You think of something where there's some functioning kind of, you know, price system and people can choose to supply and people choose to buy. And, you know, the lovely image in Economics 101 textbooks of the market seller selling apples to describe supply and demand. You know, houses aren't like that. It's not really a market where, where people have a real choice about over what they buy. I mean, that, that it, it, you have what you can possibly get your hands on if you're lucky most of the time. So the power is all with, with the people who create the supply. And leaving this to this private market system, I think, is exactly asking for the sort of problem you have just described, where they're, they're highly incentivized to make the most money by building a certain kind of house. And that's not necessarily the kind of houses that we all need at all. Uh, and you know, that's that's what happens if you leave it to this sort of random, uh, decentralized uh market system. I think it, it's not a functioning market. It's not based around real human needs, um, and it certainly doesn't take account of the environmental impact in any anything like um, a significant enough way. So I think you'd almost have to, to you know, you need a significantly different system that was based more around understanding what people's needs were. Um, and and uh, obviously building much more locally sourced materials and and um, and craft mm. but you know, that that's not a, that's not unfortunately the market system we've
1: got. Uh, we've already got lots of homes as well, which are in a pretty disastrous kind of a state, and the Green New Deal doesn't really seem to be working in terms of bringing those houses up to the levels of energy efficiency that we need to see. Uh, how could we? How could we do that? You think?
0: Yeah, the Green Deal, um, rather than the Green New Deal. Uh, Green <laughs> New Deal was a was it was a, um, a, a NEF co-produced report for uh, re- transforming the economy. But the Green Deal um, is is a this very um, well. It's been extraordinarily unsuccessful, really. Um, the idea that people can finance retrofitting. Of their houses, uh, various um, retrofitting things could qualify, but they could finance them through borrowing money and then repaying it through the savings on their bills. Sounds quite good in theory because the idea is that households don't have to sort of borrow a sum of money and then be worried about fixed repayments, they just pay as quickly as they save money. The flaw in the plan is that the interest rate on the loan is 7%. Well, if most people, if people have got a mortgage, the chances are it's less than 7%. And you can get personal loans at the moment that are at 4 to 5%. So why on earth would you borrow money at 7%? So (laughs) this whole scheme is kind of set up a bit wrong. But the interesting thing is to compare that with Germany, as so often is the case, who get this right. And they have funding available for householders to retrofit their houses. A whole house retrofit loan will cost you an interest rate of around 1% uh, from the German Development Bank. Now, you know, you're going to do that, aren't you? A long-term loan at 1%, the chances are pretty high that you're going to be saving more money than the loan payments, and they are currently retrofitting in, a, retrofitting in a region of 1 million homes a year, which is something like the pace we need in this country to convert you know, a, a pretty poor housing stock into something which is um, remotely you know, delivering warm homes to people that, that don't. Vast amounts of carbon, but you know, again, this mechanism is is hopelessly, hopelessly inadequate. Um, You did ask me what I thought would make a difference, and I think uh, something that's rather out of vogue. But um, I think there's. uh, I'm trying to remember which council it was. Uh, It's escaped my um, (laughs) memory now, but um, he had great success with a high degree of uh, of retrofitting. But it was intense effort of almost going door to door. Street by street, and signing signing people up to have this work done, and you know you need to make sure that the financing of that is done in a way that people can can benefit from it, whatever their income and wealth position. Now that just again, it just it it, it um, requires a level of coordination by by government. It can't be done by other people done by community organisations I'm thinking transition streets isn't a million miles away from this Mm. but uh, it needs to be coordinated it needs to be done together um, street by street and it needs to have the finance available on the right terms to allow this work to happen and uh, the Green Deal is a million miles away from that.
1: So the dangers for you of creating of trying to find a way out of a housing crisis caused by a housing bubble by taking the current approach would be what? There's
0: a number of components of of, of a housing crisis. Um, one of them is is that land has become unaffordable. It's actually the, the land again. Not emphasise not the buildings. It's the land uh, in many areas of the country, and that's just a dysfunction of you know wealth being it, it transferred from one group to another. I mean, the land prices are higher than they need to be. So that's quite a difficult thing to solve. But of course, there are lots of proposals around that. At you know, one extreme, you could nationalize all the land, I suppose, but but land value tax is, is a proposal that, that's, that's supposed to sort of stop that huge increase in, in land prices. Um, that's one element of it. Uh, the so, so, you know, the problem with trying to get houses built by inflating land values is that it's, it's pumping up another kind of debt bubble and all debt bubbles burst. So it's really not a very sustainable approach in the narrow financial sense of that word. To uh, to getting more houses built, it yeah, much more. It, it's, it's almost sort of guaranteed that you'll you'll end up with the wrong sorts of. Well, you'll end up with unaffordable houses, really, which is exactly solving the problem I think we've got. One of the other issues that won't be addressed, it seems, under the current government, and one would wait and see what happens under, uh, under the next one is the degree of empty homes. And there have been some policy initiatives around this, but I mean, there are a lot of homes which are empty because they are second homes or they're owned by overseas buyers who use them occasionally or they're owned by developers who are letting them you know, rot so that they'll get permission to build something else there. And I think we do need to be much uh, more rigorous in, in not allowing li- homes to, to lie empty. So that's another you know, part of the puzzle, I think. Um, and again, not addressed at all by just sort of pumping up a house price boom with, with subsidised credit um, and then I think, you know, we, we have to look at more publicly funded building of houses uh, because actually, you know, the, the cheapest funding of all is money that can be borrowed by the government. It can borrow at much cheaper rates than property developers, private landowners or anybody else, or banks. Uh, so I'd say we need to bring back um, public houses.
1: council uh, Council houses.
0: Yeah, council houses. I mean, I think I'm all in favour of the idea of decentralised management, you know, so uh, it's great to have social uh, landlords, uh, housing associations, I think, you know, cooperatives. And The finance, perhaps, needs to be provided at local authority or government level, um, because they can also, uh, the important body for coordinating the delivery of services, so to ensure that, you know, the... The schools are in the right place, so people can walk to them, and and doctors' surgeries, and all the rest of it. You know, there is that that planning function which is held by the local authority. But it would be great to see more cooperative ownership of land and cooperative uh, ownership of the buildings on the land. But they can be privately owned, and if the land is cooperatively owned, then it gets around some of these problems of uh, uh, you know the, the, the frothy boom and bust in in land prices and land speculation. So. Um, There is some promising signs on this, you know, the the, the Garden City uh, concept is one that seems to capture a little bit of political attention recently um, and maybe that will result in more examples of uh, cooperatively owned land and housing and that would be a really good thing but, you know, it it could do with something on a much, happening on a much bigger scale I think. Mm